0: The Pardfix Network.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 241 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to fuck them up. A very, very humble opinion. <laughs> I am Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director, and producer, and you are?
2: I'm Lucinda Rose Sacra, owner of Picture Perfect and independent film producer.
1: Woohoo! Today woof, woof. we are talking with. The fantastic producer, but now mainly director Alex Neuer and his amazing indie film Sound of Violence, which was not only a hit at Fright Fest, but is out now on Blu-ray and available on digital around the world It's Ace. Check it out. Listener, what did we talk about on this week's episode? What are our lovely fans and listeners? Some of them aren't fans. uh, Listeners going (laughs) to learn from this week's episode. So, uh,
2: Giles, we talked about Clubhouse of Horror and how he is a judge, the importance of networking on Clubhouse in general, and the mental
1: health in film. We also talked about appreciating your crew, what you do with overtime, and how he made his short film Conductor to. prove he could direct.
2: We also spoke about the importance of a one-line pitch and directing techniques.
1: We also talk about why nerves are good on set and why you shouldn't panic and what was his biggest learning curve we also discussed selling the film why you shouldn't be a dick and why you need a good lawyer oh my gosh it's a great episode myself and lucindra we are in echoey rooms right now but we are on two different productions different sides of the uk uh, and making them so uh, forgive us for the bad sound but do you know what I mean? We're making movies. Hey, okay, we're making
2: movies. I knew you were gonna say that We're Making <laughs> Make <the> movies.
1: movies. <laughs> Ah, how's it going? It's
2: good. How
1: are you doing, Giles, over there in uh, Grimsby? In Grimsby? It's good. Third week in now. The crew have all got used to each other now. That's, you know, how people move, how they roll. When it all starts getting general, into the groove, they're getting into the groove. We're moving into nights this week, which if you don't know, it means you're shooting through the night. We've just had uh, a little jiggery poker room. We might do some days this week as well, so splits. But that's fun. That's difficult. But so far, so good. And do you know what we did today, Lucinda?
2: What did we do today, Giles? We
1: put up a little screen and we put some images, footage from the film so all the cast and crew could see it when they came in, so they could see how, how what a good film they're making so far.
2: Amazing. And guess what else we did today, Giles? What
1: else did we do today, Lucinda?
2: We may have locked somebody very exciting <sighs> to the film, Three Day Millionaire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Basically, myself and Lucinda are producing Three Day Millionaire at the moment. And as always with these things, casting can take its time. But we knew that if we put this character towards the end of the film, once we got going, we could maybe get the name we wanted. And Lucinda might be just saying now, live on the air, that we might have that person. Because I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't say that now.
1: No, you can't. You can't. We gotta
2: wait for the uh, announcements.
1: Yeah, the announcements. And yours. So like say you're doing two at the same time, which is super super exciting, but also super super, super stressful. stressful Giles. Yeah. Yeah, imagine. Honestly.
2: I don't think I'm gonna do it again, she says. I,
1: I don't think you should, he says. No, <laughs> <laughs> no
2: it's great it's great it really is um, I, I sat actually last week I had uh, two iPads going and yep. I was holding a phone mm-hmm. and on the right hand side iPad I was in one HOD meeting
0: uh, <laughs> w-
2: with you and, yep. and I didn't put silent on and yep. then on the left hand side I was in another HOD meeting and at one point I didn't know who I was talking to or what I was answering mm-hmm. um, so that was great fun I
1: remember having to keep muting you I was like she's in another conversation she's gone to mute herself. I'm going to mute her now. I
2: think you just like to do that in general, wouldn't you? Just,
1: just do I could do it now.
2: <laughs> Don't do that to me. Oh, hi
1: there. His production us. designer. It's production designer, Errol Jark. Hey,
2: Errol. Hi, Errol hey, Jark. guys. <laughs> Errol also just um, was part of Walls of War, which Giles and I wrapped
1: in Gosh, oh my God, it's not that long ago. No, so we went from
2: Walls of War straight on to Three Day Millionaire.
1: We're going to fill you in on all our marvellous escapades, antics antics coming up. But that was just a little insight for you. It's madness. It's full on when you're shooting. I can't even believe we're still doing the podcast, Um, but we are. So myself and Lucy managed to find town yesterday to sit down with alex and his film sound of violence do i honestly i love this film i think it's brilliant and it's a testament to what you can do on an indie film and and get it out there and, and be really successful so thank you so much for listening do keep supporting us and do uh tell all your pals about this podcast because that's how we grow. and if you want to go on patreon then go on patreon and support us even more because there's even better stuff on there isn't the lucinda
2: oh yeah you've got to sign up for the extras <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, this is myself listening to chatting with the amazing Alex Neuer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this absolute epic episode that Blessed Tobias V's has cut down into a sizable chunk for you. There'll be so much cool bonus stuff on the Patreon. Uh, but for now, thank you. Enjoy. Alex, it's an absolute joy to have you on. We've been trying to get you on since we started speaking on Clubhouse. When was that? About a year ago that Clubhouse we became a big thing
3: for us? February, March. I mean,
4: it's an abstract. I mean, it was the pandemic and everything, I had no idea, you know, what day it is how many months have passed you know have i aged am i the same who am i (laughs) i'm right now um participating in the new clubhouse horror anthology so i'm reading something like 10 scripts a day at minimum and and i forget which one is good which one is bad i'm just i'm mixing stories and stuff but it's actually just too much fun
3: how do you how do you do that actually alex do you uh, because obviously people have uh, processes of how to how i say is box information in their brains. like they, You have to file things in your brain, or I do. So if you're reading that many scripts a day, mm-hmm. uh, you've got all these different characters, all these different locations and plots and everything like that. How do you have a break in between scripts in order to put one script to bed and pick up the other one? Mm-hmm. Because surely they must go all in together.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily they're very, very different. So that's, that obviously helps. You have enough contrast between the stories, to, so that, that helps. But also we grade them, like so we, we mark them. As you know, yes, maybe and no, and we put a little bit of feedback. So that just taking that moment to kind of anchor our opinion is good. Not and even though sometimes the opinion changes a little while back because you have a, certain scripts that kind of stay with you. But I don't know. So far, it's not been too bad. It's been pretty, uh, pretty uh, consistent as far as it, as noticing the ones that that I'm really keen on.
1: Because mm, they must stand out. Certain scripts must stand out, and you just go, oh, this could be interesting. Yes, um, it must happen. But let's tell people. What what this is because this was set up on clubhouse now people who don't know what clubhouse is it's kind of like this podcast but you can ask to speak so now you're listening you can say hey can i speak can i ask a question and alex has run many rooms on there and we ran a filmmakers podcast room which is how we brought alex into our team and he became one of the filmmakers podcast um hosts and um, we stopped doing it now just because we're all far too busy i ruined it yeah <laughs> no you, you were <laughs> great on that <there. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you that and, oh, that was you. All right, yeah. Jed Shepard, obviously, has been on this podcast before and Alex and Sebastian uh, Basel set up kind of, it was a clubhouse room happening one night in one of the horror rooms. They said, hey, why don't we just make a load of shorts with the filmmakers that are here? And that was Symphony, uh, which is the first one, which is now, uh, I believe, ready and finished. The Clubhouse of Horror Anthology. And now you're a judge on the second one. Is that correct?
4: I'm a judge and producer on the second one. Yeah, it's, Great. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun because, yeah, we, we only supported uh, Symphony from far. but, you know, we talked a lot about it in the rooms and and did everything we could to help Sebastian, you know, and I have a couple of projects as well in the starting blocks with Sebastian. So, you know, we've always been in good com- communication, but mm-hmm. that aside now, the new one um, with the sort of gra- the gravitas that, that the first one got and the attention, Sebastian des- decided to enlist a few filmmakers um, to come and judge which stories would be the right ones. Because as well, now it's like, there was a whole process of open submissions, which closed a couple of weeks ago, uh, and we are, we got over 500 scripts to consider, um, wow. to, and there are ten that will make it, uh, the anthology, and um, two of those ten will be turned into features. Oh,
1: how cool is Amazing. that? And who? And Sebastian and his company are funding this. Is this correct?
4: Yes, I mean we are the Screen Anthology is behind it for sure. Oh they're, they're, great! They're, so Screen Anthology, Sebastian's company, are, yeah. are 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 the ones putting this together, uh, but they are there we've received a tremendous amount of interest from various new partners so we'll see exactly who are all the producing entities at the end meanwhile we have a, just a, a really fun team um you mentioned jed and seb but uh, there's also a uh, George stolberg of, um, oh, of course who, who, who so wrote and up to spiral mm-hmm. um and we have uh, D- dave McInerney, who is a who is a talent manager and then uncle creepy himself steve barton who was the founder the original founder of dread central and also you know a very, very prominent figure in the horror world. So it's a lot of fun to be reading all those stuff and we're, we're, we're just like, and we're, we're disagreeing on everything.
1: I, I can imagine, cause you all like different kinds of horror. You know, the host Jed's film is so different to Sound of Violence, your film, you know, it's massive difference. Do you know who the writers are or is it no. kind of, that's no, we, good? That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We're
4: reading everything anonymously cause we, we, you know, we know many contributors uh, from our clubhouse. Yeah. Mm. Um, Are are sending stuff in, and we um, it would not be right if we if we saw a mate, uh, you know, their name on the script and everything. We just like, not that we would change our opinion because we are, you know, we we know what is a good story. It
1: can influence you. It it can or not. It puts you in a
4: different, yeah. It it, it's it puts you in a different mood. So we're reading everything anonymously, and that means that we give a chance to the story for what it is, and uh, and we have so much fun with it.
1: Does that mean they're directing them as well? How does it work in terms of? your directors that's going to be up to them they're going to have to crew up
4: within clubhouse so Mm -hmm. everybody has to come from clubhouse but the point is that some some of them are some of them are just writers and have no intention to direct Mm -hmm. most of them I'd, i'd say will will direct what they wrote uh, because many of them are written quite visually and also you can see the intent mm-hmm. with that in mind it's just like it's going to be down to them to either um go and find a a director on, on clubhouse to come on board they're going to have you know they all have the same budget they're all going to have the same things and it's going to be up to them to kind of decide how they're going to Bring it home. Obviously, we're we're gonna help them. We're gonna give them. Of we're course. gonna mentor them and and, yeah. and supervise supervise the production. I know that uh, Screen Anthology is gonna is gonna provide a lot of line production support uh, to mm-hmm. make sure that the budgets are not you know yeah. they do like they're not on day two out of money and then panicking.
1: Totally, it's so important that as well because it can happen if it's a first time filmmaker or whatever, and suddenly it's that. Oh, I just forgot to budget for that, or I forgot to do that. And also, the stories are written without any budget in mind. They don't know course, what they yeah. what they're going to have. So,
4: we've had stories which are like, okay, this is going to cost like and this is a huge, enormous mm. setup. It was like we're like, <laughs> and mm. some of them are very sort of low key. But either way, there's just always we're gonna we're gonna mentor them. The same thing is like when they're gonna go through the various stages. Um, no, very rarely are scripts perfect, but we can just tell them, okay, here's the ch- here's your challenge for the next to. Go Go into the next round is that bring this on it, you know we, we're going to give them notes
3: and it's for you to see the potential in 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 the writer and, and give guidance
4: and it's crazy because you have a situation where you have absolutely incredibly talented writers mm-hmm. where we're just going to help them with perhaps with story points and then you have some which clearly never wrote a script before, but that's okay. Cause their stories are like awesome. So we're like, okay, yeah, here you go. You're, we're going to help you shape it so that it works. And you know, we, we narrowed it down to only to seven to 10 pages. That in itself is a challenge because it's a short, yeah. you know, as we say a lot of the, the, the from short to feature room every Monday. And we always say you value each page, like each minute on screen as if you didn't deserve it because you got to justify you know in a short format you have to justify that minute so if you're giving us seven to ten pages so seven to ten minutes roughly uh shorts it's a challenge in itself because it's hard to yeah. make seven minutes matter you, uh, without waffling without uh, unnecessary uh, mm-hmm. uh descriptions and stuff you got to keep the flow for seven to ten pages that's not easy
3: Well, it's like when when giles and i when we ask our writers to put that into a synopsis they some of them freak out they're like i can't do that because it's really hard to get it into you know a synopsis for the back of a dvd or what have you so yeah totally Mm -hmm. understand
1: to make a short is really difficult a beginning middle Mm -hmm. and end for like an anthology where you need it potentially to have that beginning middle and end it's hard to sort of and this might happen in the future it's one of the hardest things to write a really good short it's it's kind of easier to write a feature. It's not, in many ways, but at least you know you've got time to develop the characters and story in the arcs. With a short, you've got to do it in, you've got to like the characters, you've got to involve them, and you have to have a beginning, middle and end. That's really tough.
4: And you have to know what information you shouldn't spend time on. Mm. That's the thing with short. you're never going to cover everything. I always say, yes, you do need your, your short to be able to stand alone and feel like it starts and ends. Mm-hmm. But don't worry about the three-act structure. Don't worry about too much exposition as far as like, you're not going to solve everything. They, leave them wanting more. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the, the quality shorts uh, work. I mean, you know, with Conductor, the, the short that inspired Sound of Violence,
0: mm-hmm. sure, I give yeah.
4: very little context. We just arrive in this mall and we see a cup with the name Alexis. That's okay. I've introduced a character. And then everything is like quite elusive. And, and, and in fact, I'm putting the focus on the situation, which has nothing to do with the main character. And the main character is very elusive. Mm-hmm. And then I just blow, blow things up to shock. But the, the, the reason why my short worked was because I stripped away a lot of any of unnecessary explanation Right. When I'm taking somebody for, essentially a five six minutes journey, mm. um, and the same thing can be said of Jet's uh, short salt. So it's yeah. fo- it, yeah. it's focused on its purpose. Okay. How do you protect yourself from that demon you, you put a soul circle that's the one thing you want your audience to be left with so in several of the rooms leading up to the project on clubhouse we explained focus on what the main purpose of your story is what is the main concept the, the one idea that you want people to remember and don't crowd it with unnecessary stuff that you don't have room for mm. because then you're going to confuse them and we read script like that which have a great little golden thread in between but it's stacked on with long descriptions of things that don't matter. Mm. And, um, and so, anyway, the, the, the point is with the, the art of the short is that it's not about saying everything. It's about saying what you, what, what you feel is necessary in a short time. Make sure that it feels as short as it is, if not shorter. Mm-hmm. And then leave people wanting more. That's the great thing. That's, that's the fun.
1: I love that. And I think that people should take that into any kind of film writing that they do, especially in shorts is like that, but certainly in features too, you know, it, it stopped being waffly, stop what's what you're trying to say, what's the important bits of these stories, and especially in shorts. I remember my first shorts, I really wanted to get the beginning, middle and end, and it took all my brain power to try and get it and I did and whatever. And then other shorts I made that I didn't need to have an ending. It was just, I want to tell this story and it could go on, it could be a feature. So I think you do whatever works for you, to hone your craft because that's what it's all about and this Clubhouse anthology is what a brilliant way to get writers to think about it and actually think about what they're writing and I think it's a brilliant thing you're doing and I think... For those of people who weren't on Clubhouse and missed out, there'll be more of this. We hope so. You know, mm-hmm. so join join the Clubhouse Rooms. Join Alex's Rooms with Jed Shepard, the House of Horror Nights, uh, Clubhouse of Horror Nights. You know, it, it, things happen on these places, and you've got to be in it to win it. Um, you've got to be involved. During the pandemic, you know, it was so hard for filmmakers to network, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We
4: didn't have film markets. We didn't have so... You know, all of us we have done things where we're missing perhaps people we know and the sort of interaction, whether it is the American film market here or or traveling, you know, can and so on. For emerging filmmakers, not to get that first experience of a film market at this critical point in their career is insane. Mm. So this is where yeah. Clubhouse became this really interesting yeah. platform where people interacted and talked to people they would have maybe not even had a chance to talk to in a film market. And the first time we did the the short to feature room, it was you know so that's the one we run on Mondays this uh, young filmmaker came up and and he we always say no pitching not nobody's allowed to pitch because it's just
3: a lot of rooms do that i think
4: it's because it's bad for to put your your ip out there and you have no protection you don't know who's listening it's it's a mess plus mm. it's it's not really why we're here we're not here to pick up projects but so this kid was was his kid. He's not his kid, actually. This dude is a. Is a, is a, is a
1: <laughs> we're, old, we're old now, Alex. We're yeah, allowed to say a, kid, but we I mean, my full i and man. calling
4: everybody kid. Just
0: <laughs> <Hey,
4: you're too laughs> speak for yourself, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He brought up a, an issue. He had, he had a short, ready to go, mm-hmm. and essentially he had all his funding in place, bar a thousand bucks. And I had a bunch of producers on on, on the stage, including Sebastian brazil and uh, and another one con- called Sean. And they looked at his Instagram, which had. Good pictures of of the, the of what he's shooting because it turns out the guy was a DP, mm. so the work looked really slick. And the guy said that he had he had a short going everything, and he just needed a thousand bucks more. Two people up, Sebastian and Sean went up. 500 each we're, we're in yep. and apparently the short is amazing and, and we're, 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 we're due to see it soon but this is the point is like where does that happen in film market like instant yeah. like that it's, no it doesn't and, and that grew into then sebastian uh recruiting writers for the first anthology mm-hmm. and again he was putting it out there he, and he, he they had a room a late room uh that was not one of ours a late room and with some of the writers and all of a sudden they had he had he had all their scripts Within like 24, 48 hours, he had enough script to make an anthology and you just, mm-hmm. you just decided to do it. This is what I love about Sebastian. Sebastian is a real action person and he, is, he represents the best uh, of this industry has to offer because he's a genuine indie filmmaker and supports indie filmmakers mm-hmm. like very few out there.
1: No, but also on that, and the thing with Clubhouse is you can then speak to people like Sebastian, like you say, like myself, like Alex, like Jed Shepard, who are there being very open and saying, here we are, Uncle Creepy, another one, and also Josh Josh Stolberg as well. Um, you know, and I think that's what's amazing about that platform. If you have got something about you and you can speak well and you care about this industry and you have ideas, then people will take you on board and this is what's happened.
4: Because they're joining a conversation. They're joining yes. a conversation. It's so they're not here again because we say no pitching. You're not coming up here to, to, nope. to be to be noticed because of something you have going. You're coming here mm. to have conversation. In the in the short to feature we've had top talks of publicity, we have talks about marketing production, pre-production, post-production, we talked about mental health on set, we mm-hmm. talked about yeah. that's
3: a good one. It was
4: an incredible conversation. Yeah,
3: that's really important, actually. It's usually
4: yeah, we're gonna have
1: another one of those
4: actually in the coming weeks.
1: The mental health we're talking about in filmmaking is so important, and I think I've talked to you about this, Lucinda, as well about getting a therapist on set and yes. actually having, especially with actors going through hard times, especially if you're doing a horror where you are mentally breaking down, you are seeing people, you are, you know, killing someone in on film. Well,
3: not just actors,
1: no crew as well. Yeah. I think it's vital. I think it should be something that moves forward. And my missus is a psychodynamic psychotherapist. And she's, uh, a couple of people have come to me knowing I'm a filmmaker who are therapists and said, hey, would this be something that would work in the filmmaking world? And I've gone, yes, we've got to find the budget for, we've got to find that little space. But it's similar to a, a movement specialist or a, a fight director or a intimacy coordinator now yeah. you know you need these things so why aren't we protecting our cast and crew more
4: i mean actually this is why the looming uh, strike is about here is it in america yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, because there's a lack of support um about working hours about uh pay rates and stuff i mean Mm -hmm. i I don't mean to blow my own trumpet but we take really really good care of our uh, of our crews because you know maybe because i've been a producer for so long that just Mm -hmm. when we had those back-breaking small production and we know that the we we, everybody's on you know especially with shorts is a a good way to really appreciate your crew because you know that you don't have the means to do to put everything together and everybody's doing you a favor by being on board but then you, you it's the way you treat them that's going to decide whether or not they are on board with you and you know here uh, what they're saying is like a lot of the the productions are you know pushing too far the, what they demand of their crew and certainly not rewarding right. them enough so yeah. it's uh, it's an important thing and it's just like the, the looming strike is gonna it looks like it's gonna happen and and, and frankly fair enough totally it's a very important issue and uh, even when we run non-union uh, crew uh, we treat them like their family because you know the set is a living organism
3: yeah totally because you you want your crew to want to work for you and with you.
4: And to represent your film. When it comes out, you want everybody who's worked on it to be shouting it on the on the
1: rooftops. Totally. I'm proud of it. Of course you do. But then when you're in the middle of it and you do have those problems and issues, it can be really overwhelming all around. And, and that's why I think having someone on set can really help that and bridge that. So you're not holding yeah. it all in or you're bitching and moaning to someone else about it. You're actually talking to someone who understands... And listens, basically.
3: The thing we're talking about in production, for instance, I was talking uh, with my production manager the other day, and I think, uh, Giles, you might have been on that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. As producers and writers and directors and and all those HODs, but really uh, the producers and, and production managers, all you're doing every day is giving, giving, giving and solving problems to other people, but you need to be replenished. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard if you... If there's nobody, everybody's coming to you with the problems and you're like, where do I go? Yeah. Um, Apart from your spouses. Yeah. Which uh, is not always good. Let's say
4: that in each production, we have a little reserve, that little reserve of energy we have Mm. for when inevitably something is going to go wrong. Right. And if we keep blowing up that energy on stuff that we can absolutely deal with with a cool head and straightforwardly we start ex- expanding that little bit of energy that you need, like your contingency en- energy, if you will. Yeah. And so, and, and 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 the only way we keep that is by having a real good grasp of our, of our team, of our communication. We, you know, this is again where the first AD's role is so important and it just becomes, it becomes the, the, the oldest sort of the, the first AD and the line producers are going to have to, to, themselves make sure that that little reserve contingency energy is saved as far as like so everybody's like we we don't unnecessarily go too long we don't unnecessarily you know rush hours of lunch or anything we make Mm -hmm. everything happen as they can even Mm -hmm. if once in a while we always feel like especially on the creative side we're like ah what if we could take an extra take and everything is it you know what it's better to just now let everybody take a take a beat Mm -hmm. then we'll be back and either we do that take or that moment passes and I think it's, it's um, for Sound of Violence we shot the movie in 20 days which is mm. ridiculous but we pretty much I think we ran over time maybe
1: twice how long did you go over during that time like I think it was like an hour and a half <sighs> Oh, okay. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Both Giles are like, Oh, because we do five or 10 and that's pushing it. So an hour and a half, how did you deal with that? Because obviously that's crew, that's
4: actors. It was an hour and a half on one day because um, essentially we we had a major prop breakdown. So we right. just had to, so we, we paid everybody the extra and we obviously sent home whoever was not needed. We really went bare bones on that extra
1: hour and that's it. Yeah,
3: because as going back to what Giles said, yeah, he means five or 10 minutes. Not five mm-hmm.
1: or ten hours. Yeah. Five or ten minutes I'm already going no it don't like it, yeah, because we, we've got to respect your crew, you have to. And you think, you, you know, especially the directors and writers and producers who are listening, no one re- they care about your film, of course, but you really care. And you have that if we just have this extra shot now, and I know we're going to go over by 10 minutes, it's never 10, but if you go, yeah, but we get the shot, and you go, yeah, but you've got to think about the mentality and the well being of your crew, and that's not what they signed up for.
4: But again, if you think about it, if productions run over in days. Mm. and and you know the fact that at the end we had one day at an hour and a half and i think one day we were late the same like 10 minutes i think so it's like it was it was not like it, it was not tragic and and no nor was it everybody was compensated for the extra you know we obviously limit the crew that was only necessary nobody was mm-hmm. and we asked are you okay to stay that extra hour because we communicate with our crew you've got to you, and, 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 and it to. seems crazy to think that, like, some people don't. Mm-hmm. There's like, oh, no, everybody's just do, do my bidding. Well, you know, it's... And we had, we had a healthy energy on, on set because
1: we talked. Mm. And that's it. That is the good thing. But it can get tricky in those situations. It really can. Um, people are tired and things do go wrong. And like you say, if, as long as you talk to your crew and say, look, this is happening, do you mind? I mean, we can make it up to you in other ways. It, it, it can work. But But on an indie film, it's really trick because you don't have that extra money to necessarily pay overtime you you know you've budgeted for what you've got and it can be especially really low budget pfft, you're asking favors anyway you know it's really tough
4: yeah but we we had a buffer we had a buffer at the beginning of the production when we budgeted for for extra time like mm. it's like it's not much you have this little bit that you hope not to spend because it's it's something that you're taking out for something else. Contingency, yeah. In, 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 your got your contingency is there. And and so it's necessary. And we had to use it for things like, you know, you use it for breakdowns or for extra time. And it's like, mm. it's like you know, we, we used it, we, we stayed on, but we were in budget, never over budget. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is why, you know, that strike here, that's all they're asking. It's just like, okay. Because so, th- there's a rule here about, you know, if you go over, that means you have to start later the next day. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem as well. Turn yeah, yeah, so, turnaround so time. So luckily, the day of delay was before day off. So, so we were good on that. But again, it's only an hour and a half, but it's an hour and a half. And yeah. especially when we know how physically exhausting it is to be any hour on, on set. It's, it's uh, anyway, it went well and we are absolutely standing by the the safety and well-being of our crews. And and mm-hmm. it's it's sad when we hear some of the stories that have been coming out you know we read them and we're like oh my god this is scary Mm. and um so yeah just uh i think i think this is this is important to that this conversation is very much live right now especially here in the us and in the uk because i mean i started my production company and career um in the uk it's less of a union issue it's more of a people issue people are making kind of their own you know the regulation is not as stringent as here but at the same time the people have absolutely they will do and they will push your production as far as they can if you Show them respect.
3: It's getting tougher in the UK, funny enough, and rightly so. People need to be uh, looked after and compensated, as as you know, we've been talking about. So it is, it's more lenient um, than over there. Again, yeah, I get that, but we are getting stricter, uh, especially on 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 the shoots that we're on now. Um, I, I said to somebody, "Are you okay to go over by two or three minutes?" And they said that would be an hour of overtime, and that was just one person out of the crew of like fifty, uh, because. You know, and we're treating them very well, mm-hmm. kindness and all the things. So, so it is getting stricter. Totally, one hundred percent. But can I, can I take it right back to the beginning of Sound of Violence? Because one, I love the title. I love the Thank title. You. I'm a big thriller fan. So let's, you know, go all the way back because the three of us obviously love a chat, and we're we going off and, and discussing all all different <laughs> things. So let's go back <laughs> and get rid of football. And and Damn. just start with how did Sound of Violence come about? Why the title? How was this born? Because, yeah, we want to know.
0: It's
4: born, it's a real sum of my parts, in the sense that, like, I've been a producer now for 17 years, but for the bulk of it, I was a producer of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and it culminated with a music documentary called 808, which is about the TR-808 drum machine. The documentary 808, where we have people like the Beastie Boys, Pharrell Williams, Phil Collins, I mean, it took five years of my life essentially, and it was really the culmination of my uh, documentary producing career. It's the biggest music documentary, I, or biggest documentary I've ever produced, and definitely one of the biggest music documentary of the last ten years, if I can say so.
1: Can I ask you on that? What the the writer Luke Bainbridge? Yeah, is he is he English? Yeah, I know him. Right. Okay. Oh, good. you He's...
3: know everyone. Joe. Yeah. He, Here we
1: he'd... go. He plays football with me.
4: I mean, that, that whole project was born out of the UK. We we were very much UK based um, when we were doing that. But anyway, the 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 film kind of yeah took over my life and was the reason I moved to the US as well. It was uh, everything was drum machine related after that for me. It was a drum machine mm. obsession. Um, <laughs> but I was exhausted as far as documentaries were concerned. I couldn't see myself necessarily producing another massive music one like that. And my wife turned around and said, you know, it maybe it's time for you to finally switch uh, to your all-time love, which is horror. Mm-hmm. And so I started to look into it to get a couple of projects going in terms of writing them. And I was working on a feature that was supposed to be my directorial debut, but then got delayed. So instead I took the family on a little break and I was reminiscing about Eight, And there came a light bulb uh, that after being drum machine obsessed for so long, I really need to kill somebody with a drum machine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and literally,
4: <laughs> literally yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, in the film, obviously. 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 I mean, they haven't haven't found the bodies. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's no proof.
4: (laughs) So that's where Conductor was born. Uh, The short film Conductor was born out of this idea. Uh, It Mm -hmm. was also because I was switching seats from producer to director. So I needed, I I felt that it might help that project that I was pushing at the time. And it was it was a moment for me to just use something I knew very well, and we. And that's a, another advice we give often to short film writers: use something you really care about that you know. Yes. Um, and and so I made the short, and the short was supposed to just be that, just a short to prove to myself as much as to everybody else that I could direct and to get going. And uh, and the short toured festivals and did really well. We watched a we won a bunch of awards. A lot of interest came about the my elusive main character. Alexis even though the short was mine it was not meant to be I had obviously thought about her story as a whole um, That's how I could brief my actors with context and backstories and such. Mm-hmm. So I initially thought about writing her backstory as a short. And then when when i started writing it expanded expanded and then i started to come up with ideas of uh, of her murderous journey so i uh, i wrote the the feature and then very quickly i managed to raise you know about a third of the budget as well so i was things wow. were really organically happening for that
1: this intermission was brought to you by massive, massive. hey robbie hey josh as we all know robbie has left us and joined a huge movie studio there his Horrible boss has tasked him with developing movie pictures. So, what have you got for us this week? It's a little bit different. We're doing a UK production for BBC4 Ooh. and it's Ray Fiennes Ooh. and he wants to make a documentary on socks. Wow. Now, this is not something that most people know. Ray Fines is mad on socks. This is 100% true. He's crazy about socks. He wants to make a documentary. Giles, how do we punch this up? How do we polish it? Wow, you've come to the right person. How about Ray Fiennes? travels around with four various socks that all talk to him
4: i mean that's just a wonderful idea i can't see it backfiring in any way so
1: no yeah i mean what what documentaries need is inanimate objects Mm. That talk, you know, like Muppet type characters. That's what we want. Totally, and ha- they've they've all got different personalities. You can have a hiking daddy sock. B- course, you can have a, yeah. a baby sock, and then you can have stockings uh, that keep falling down. Well, that's not appropriate <clears throat> for BBC Four jars. Come on now. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the dock, they can explore the woven looms that make socks with Rafe, in like a little gang following them around. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think that's approved. That's all we need, right? I mean, yeah. this is this is an amazing idea, Robbie. I, I forget Sprout boy, I want royalties on this one. Let's sock it to them. We live in turbulent times right now, fuel shortage and now, I've just heard that the price of socks has gone down. No. It looks like the sock market is crashing. <laughs> Good luck. See you at the Oscars. Thanks, Charles. Thanks again. We came at last to the bottom of the box to the bottom of the box
0: of socks Look at all the pairs that we found in there It's the bottom of the box of socks
1: All this the world well knows, yet none knows well that leads men to this hell. <appears> if you have a massive movie idea or any large files, transfer them with Massive, spelled M-A-S. Sending a large file with Massive is as easy as sending an email. Sign up for Massive today using massive.io forward slash filmmakers pod and get 100 gigabytes free towards your transfer. Well, let's talk about that just before, because obviously people are all going, yeah, wait, wait, how did you do that? Because finding funding for anything is really difficult, let alone film, even though actually it's, it's a safer place to invest your money, but than some places, but how did you you said that i'd already managed to raise some of the money how at that point had you done it when you just made a short obviously you've made lots of great docs you were well established in that field you weren't coming at it cold but at the same time this is different this isn't doc this is a feature live action how did you manage to raise that money
4: well i mean it was down to the script um first draft of the script i wrote uh, it really came out of me very organically and it was in january 2019 and so i started to reach out to uh, private investors who I, I had interacted with before and mm-hmm. i very straightforwardly said this is the short is um it ended up being a proof of concept it's uh it's doing it's doing well it's picking up attention in awards everybody who's reviewing it is screaming about it so um so we're really onto something and then i used my you know i mean i started my company in 2004 in london yeah you know and we were in commercials for a long time mm-hmm. yeah. and so all i did was pitching that's all i did so i i used some of that and i know that technically the director should not be the one raising finance but you know what mm-hmm. I, 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 <laughs> that's what i do
3: however you get it raised it doesn't matter if it's the director the production designer the producers as long as it gets raised and you can make such a wonderful thing yeah it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who raised it
4: so i got i got you know private investors to to commit to it and that got us started and then um, and then I, so by the time it was can in 2019 i had I had the script, which was at the time still called Conductor. It was a much more of a horror movie than it was a thriller. Mm -hmm. And I had already a sense that actually I needed to go away from horror and more towards a thriller, albeit a horror thriller, but still. With that in mind, I I still, and this is another advice I give a lot, uh, is that make sure that you have a one sentence to pitch your movie. Mm -hmm. If you can pitch your movie in one sentence, you'll get quick yes-nos or a quick sense of interest or not. And I went around Cannes with simply the sentence, Story of a killer who makes music through murder. That's all, this and, is just that, and that, cool. that that got me. A producers Network uh, breakfast. I got more more follow up meetings out of that just by by giving them that pitch, and it was that's how it rolled, and it just really kind of escalated organically, and uh, and you know we we shot the movie in October November twenty nineteen. So if you think about it, first draft January, shooting the movie October October November. That's that's a movie minute. That's where. Uh, you know, I was very proud of that idea.
1: But let's talk about making it then, because, you know, if this is your... You can go directorial debut here. I definitely think so. Even though you've produced movies, it is directorial debut, oh, and it is, is a yeah. beautiful film. It's it's stunning. I can see Thank why so it's much. done so well, especially in the UK. The poster itself is cool. It says what the film is, and you dive into this girl's world, uh, who is brilliantly played by Jasmine Savoy Brown, by the way, uh, who plays your lead I love horses. Yeah, and you love working with her, which is great. So let's talk about your directing process here um and how you managed to you know work on set as a first timer if you like and that's being mean because you're not but people want to know how did you do it
4: well first of all i had to kind of also unlearn a few things you're so used to being on set as a producer Mm -hmm. that i had to to harness myself to just Focus on the on the storytelling and the performances, and and this is where I, I must give massive credit to Hano Alki, my producing partner, who's the lead producer on this, uh, because he is a thin meaning that he speaks his mind bluntly and with no emotions. So once once in a while, <laughs> you know, he would put me back in my place, saying, you know, shut up. Go focus on that." And I'm like, that's great. Thank you. And and also my line producer, Dave Zhao, uh, who uh, who one day on set said, just so that you know, if anything goes wrong, you'll be the last one to know.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Lucinda said the same to me on Wolves of War. John, can you stop trying to produce? Shut up. Yeah, this is my exactly. job. Shut up. Exactly. Go away.
3: Well, if you have so many hats, it's really hard when you jump into a movie and you're doing the different job that you did from the last movie, mm-hmm. it's really hard to then go, okay, well, I'm just going to focus on directing this rather than thinking about the budget or how's the unit move going. Don't worry about that. You
4: know, yeah. make the movie. That's a, a relief to feel that actually, once in a while, it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about that. That's great. Um, but you know, the the interesting thing is as well, um, and you know, again, testament to the rest of the crew, Daphne, my cinematographer, because you know, I'm not an uh, I'm not a director who's going to operate. I'm purely focused on on directing. I'm not touching the camera. We had such a good rapport planning the look of this film to be uh, to be what it is that that there was a sense of it, it helped us you know, really, for the lighting setup, when I didn't like something, it was like, I didn't have to go and explain it too much. I was like, okay, let's just switch that. It's like, and we had a lot of visual references and things that we had talked about early on so all that pre-work really paid off Mm -hmm. to be prepared and arriving on set and and really feeling like we already read each other's mind so that was helpful and then into the process you 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 start it feels good to to feel your nerves Mm -hmm. i must say that was like i I love the idea of being a rookie again because it's exhilarating and i felt that on conductor big time just too hastily shouting cut or too, you know something mistakes like that that you just like you're you're so eager to do so so you 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 mess up basic things
3: do you think nerves helps you i don't know if get it right is the right word but sometimes I, i've heard actors say um the nerves help you give a better performance so it's not so laid back for instance and it's like yeah yeah i know what i'm doing It's fine it's fine it's fine but the nerves can enhance sometimes. Is
4: that something that works for you? Only the fool feel no nerves. They it just like it, <laughs> nice. it's it's yeah. it's important to if you're not nervous, you're not prepared. You're not ready because if you walk on set and and you're you're like just just easy. That means that one, you don't care enough. Two, you're not putting pressure on yourself. And three, you will be caught out on something because there's no way you can have this. There's too many things, too many moving parts to just have a, you know, to, to, to not feel stressed about. I'm not saying that people should panic. There's a very big difference. I don't want people. Nobody should panic on set. This is like one of those things. Is like it's like panicking around dynamite.
1: Especially if you're the lead, you're either directing or producing, and you're running around with your head going, I don't know. I'm d- okay, good of it. Oh my god, oh, no! Shouting at people.
4: <laughs> if
3: you're if you're um, nervous internally, it, it's it's great. It's yeah, you're right. Don't panic outside so everyone can see it. I felt
4: everything, I felt nervous the first day I met Jasmine. I felt nervous, you know, when when everything was was, was a go. My first meeting was with, with, with Daphne. I mean, aside of the no, not the first first, but the first meeting doing shop list and such. I felt nervous. I was like, you know, it's like imp- we talk about imposter syndrome. We talked about it a lot on your on your filmmakers room. We talk. No matter how experienced you are, how many times you've been on set, the first time directing a feature, you feel like everybody's going to find out that I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. A hundred percent
1: agree with yeah. that. And it's you are frightening. You are the least qualified person on the set yeah yeah usually dp's done about 16 jobs that week you know, that right? mean, actors <laughs> have done a load crew have done a load and you're literally you've never you made a movie feel like fraud, you? you feel like a fraud when people go where do you want the camera
4: everybody's looking at you saying why are you doing this why mm-hmm. is
1: it you and there will be people on set who do that there's people who want to be directors and they'll be looking going why you why did this happen and because you put the work in you put the graft in you wrote the story you found the money in your case, hundred percent to be there but you can see why people would be pissed off and angry with it why not me well you got fucking work for it dude um yeah. but in but your it's case how amazing but it is fun and you can be nervous and it's great that we talk about this it kind of stuff to be
4: nervous it feels good mm-hmm. because this is the, this is the luck we have in this job mm-hmm. You do realize there's so many jobs that are not fun, they're not exhilarating. We are in the most <laughs> fun job. It's scary sometimes. every day. It's tra- <laughs> yeah, no, course, Sometimes no, sometimes, no, sometimes I, right? <laughs> I, I know, I know. You know, pr- producing is like riding a bike, except the bike is on fire, you're in you're on fire and you're in hell. Yeah. But <laughs> everything is just like it's so much. It's it, if you, my wife was telling me that she was she had never seen me so happy. And like coming back from the set, exhausted, like literally just like crumbling down into bed and she said yeah but you looked so happy you had a smile on your face and that's how it felt i gave my all every day every day i wanted everybody on set to believe in me and -hmm. to believe in the story Mm -hmm. and i just did that every day and i talked and i'm I'm not talking about like you know my my just my dp and and producing team i'm talking everybody Mm -hmm. You know, for the, everybody, I, I wanted the crafts, the crafties to be happy. I wanted my, my, my safety to be happy. I want everybody to be like...
3: That's leadership qualities though, isn't it? Yeah. You, yeah you has much to, fun. You're, you're, you're leading the
4: team. As well, you have those moments that define your, your, your direction. And I think those moments are the moment where, for example, as I said, like my producing partner, he's, he's, has a lot of experience. He's also a director himself. And when we shot the short, there was a scene that we needed to shoot and we needed intensity that was like really really like from uh from the character um that michael michael was playing and i had to take him there to like you know mentally to mm-hmm, he yeah. had to essentially scream of terror but I'd like something like you know it really comes from within and when it comes out it needs to to give you shivers right yeah. and he had a few takes and he was just not hitting and you know I'm very emotional, so I just I just like when I don't. So I just went to him, and I and I and I went to him, and I, I went there with him. I said like, you, you need to really go into a moment that you don't want to go to because you're you're you got to think where how far and dark you can go because this is your your world is collapsing in front of you and then i and then in front of him i roared i showed him like my scream wow wow and the whole the whole whole set went silent Mm. so that was on the short and then right after he he looked at me um and he just exploded and the scene was like, I gasped and I, I I couldn't even speak. I was so happy for him and everything. But it was just a moment where, where really I felt, as a director, I felt, okay, that connection was awesome.
1: And isn't that great when you can get that with your actors? And and every actor is different. There's, there's, Very different. Di- there's not one way to direct a movie. There is 28 that day. You know, whether it's talking to DP, like say, talking to craft services, if you want to do that, but talking to your actors and how different they are. Every single one of them wants to be, talk to differently depending on how they're brought up depending what they're going through depending what character they are and that's something you ne- hardly ever gets taught and there's not something that's films you never hear that dealing with actors and how you get a performance when you're not happy is really
4: tough you're not gonna learn that at film school i mean no matter what nope. they tell you they nope. tell you. i mean i didn't go to film school for so I so, I, yeah, I so
1: actually i mean either so actually maybe they do but you know hey <laughs> no, no
4: i mean listen this is the part which, which depends like with with the actors on sound of violence um with especially with jasmine we from the first meeting onwards i collaborated because several things um first of all shooting a thriller from the perspective of the killer is something which demands a performance um mm-hmm. of of a level that is not just a question of a looming killer that 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 we that we don't see so that was already so i knew that the expo- the exposition onto alexis was going to be and so this is where uh, the, the the talent of jasmine is needed because it's mm. just it, it's that's the only way to be able to push this and her take in our first meeting her take on the characters and everything i knew that she understood the character great and and i felt like i had met alexis so wow. that was that was very helpful but mm-hmm. then also remembering that uh, as well i wrote the story of a of a queer black woman mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I have no right to project any assumptions onto that. I need to sure. make sure that we deliver this authentically. So Jasmine being a queer black woman obviously is, is, is allowed me to have somebody meet me halfway and make sure that this character was represented authentically. And she was very happy that there was no cliches in the script and stuff. So she, we really reviewed this together. Mm-hmm. And then the final part is English is not my first language. So mm-hmm. I needed, I needed the, the dialogues to be tweaked throughout, not to change what, the, what she was saying, but actually to make sure that it sounded more natural. Mm. Um, and I, in mm. fact, that co- that cooperation ca- went on with uh, with Lily Simmons and uh, James Jagger, amazing um, um, to, yeah. to, to to make sure that all those lines were just like, and I, uh, at the end of those exhausting days, they would be up for like I would be chit chatting about the lines and making sure we could tweak a couple of things to make sure they sounded better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fantastic, and that was that was really I, I just didn't want to be uh, one uh, on, on this movie that demanded. Performances. I could not be just pointing fingers and say, and demanding that you just do what I say. Yeah. There, there is an overall performance that, of course, is is on me. But as far as the authenticity of the of the relationship between the actors and the characters, this is where from in from pre production from the first early days that I worked with the actors all the way to the end, I made sure that that was a collaboration. Mm. And that also going back to your question about being a first time director, that stayed, steadied me massively knowing that my cast mm. had my back. Yeah, yep. And and they were meeting me. Like, as I said, I wrote this script with an open mind because of all the things that I didn't want to project, but also because I felt that there was something ha- is going to happen as we perform it. And they met me there. We it elevated the the experience, and, and I we had several scenes of real intensity. The opening scene, the family scene, this young, amazing, forced to be reckoned with, Camille Benge, who plays yes. young Alexis. Oh god, yeah. He commandeered the set that day, <laughs> and really, and and then and then we had Dana Wilson and 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 West McGee, who play uh, the the mother and father, who hmm. also really matched it, this this tension that we needed between the two of them to mount. And the whole, like, literally, there's a th- th- that that scene where he hits the table. After that take, the set was quiet. My my focus pullers had tears running down uh, and wow. everybody was just like really I was I was a mess at the end of this. And mm-hmm. and then and then I look around, I look over and I see Camille, nothing. Like done. Done. She, and she had been really uh. a catalyst for this moment of emotion. And mm-hmm. she went there herself. Mm-hmm. And then and then she just trotted out happily after that. And she is incredible. I genuinely like I, I think Camille has a great, great future as an actress.
1: Isn't it amazing how actors can do that and they can surprise you so much by being incredible I'm Ten years old at 10 years old yeah i had one on a couple on the dare who were just they blew my mind with how intelligent they were as actors at that age and you're just like what and it's amazing for us as directors because we kind of take the credit for it but that—that you go oh thank you that we, you know, it's about casting right it's about if you cast well at that age whoa if not you're gonna have a problem but if you cast well it's amazing and that's also you know the first meeting you
4: have with them and their parents mm-hmm. are there so you the have that vibe as well so you know. important, yes but overall in, in actors performance as well i want to go back to jasmine a little to just say um there's there, there's two other things that, that jasmine did that allowed me to really again as a director, as a feature debut uh, for me as a director, she there's a, she has a skill which few actors have and that I respect so damn much because it allowed us to give option. She can act with her eyes. Mm-hmm. And that is something, I'm not just talking about having your eyes not betray you, I'm talking acting. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, for example, in the first murder, we started doing a, a technique that I love which is a, a full silent take. So the nice. whole thing happens. Yep. Not a single line. Mm. And she nice. she just she just gives all those moments with her eyes. And Jasmine is probably one of the best I've ever seen as far as acting with eyes. And that meant that when we did the silent take, they gave us great editing options. Yes, of course. Because you, because you're, you're, you're. First of all, you realize which lines are really unnecessary. Yeah, and totally unnecessary.
1: You don't need them. What was it there for? Yeah.
4: And then, and then you you realize that you can all of a sudden really. So you remove those lines. you replace by those moments with her eyes, and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's it's it's. It gives you. I mean, you vibrate.
1: I do. You know, That's a great technique, Alex. I I love that idea. I'm um, usually because I don't have time. But again, you shot in 20 days. We shot the Darren 18, and it's the same. You know and the fact that you did that but actually you were clever enough to think about your editing options there and go do you know what if i don't need the line if she says this without saying the line through her eyes the audience understand what's happening which most audiences do you then don't need the line therefore in the edit you've got the option to not do it and i love that's great great advice for everyone listening that's brilliant love that it saves you a lot of uh, a lot
4: of time but uh, well well, actually if you mention editing one one thing we did is Mm. instead of a traditional dit and having dailies we actually had our editor on set and the editor was normally obviously uh, processing the, the the footage but he was actually editing on while we were shooting, so we so so we wow. actually we we were organizing everything in in a way that mm. really gave us a sense a sense of what coverage we were missing or what we were lacking editing mm-hmm. options and stuff in really in real time and Verti uh really did an amazing job by by doing that It's not by no means editing anything that looks like a final product or of sure, no of course just, it's, 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 it's just organizing in a way that you're like okay we have options here where do we sit as far as coverage and such mm-hmm. and, and knowing when we can really move on all the time and, and and he was doing that while i was directing so i could i could always tap in and, and hanu uh, who produced but also edited the film kept an eye between that and so you know, if there was a moment where, like, okay, we're we're concerned about coverage here. Okay, what do we need? What can we do? Mm-hmm. And and it's it's it was very dynamic, and it was very pleasant to work uh, work that way. And then so when we did, the, for example, the silent take, like from the first take, and that's like I had way too much dialogue in there. Yeah. Yeah. she was ex- explaining herself too much. It was like a whole bunch of things, and we we cut like. Most of it because of that the, the, the silent take we tested the silent take and it's just and then we did a, a spoken take with less lines and it was just it worked immediately better. and it's it's the thing is it saves you time. it doesn't use time. Mm. it's it's really really sometimes when you're like, okay, should I do another take? actually no, let's change something and in this case it was like let's remove all the lines. When you're lucky to work with a, with a talent like Jasmine, it really means that the constant, uh questioning that you have inside mm. is in front of you because she is really like i could i could we could bounce off, I, off each other even without speaking oh,
1: i love that it's great when that happens it really is with actors when you get those moments and by the way for those of you who don't know uh, jasmine savoy brown she's about to blow up in the latest scream movie um she's also uh, in so much telly including the leftovers and for the people and Lego Star Wars and Love. The yellow and Jackets coming yellow to, yellow sh- jacket. to Showtime. She
4: has. She has a, I couldn't get her today if I tried. No, I think. that's the if thing, I, if isn't if it? If I, yeah. if, I, if I came with my director debut today and I asked her, no chance. Now yeah. the good news is that is that we have such a good rapport that I'm hoping mm-hmm. to work with her again uh, at some point. But
1: and that's the thing we try and strive to do is get the actors when they, especially in indie film, is they're just about to break out. Right? You you treat them well. They like working with you, and you go. Please come and work with me on my next films, which is what's happened with me. It's been really nice to use the same cast over and over who you're like, there's no way I'd normally get these people. But because they're mates now, because they like working with you, the agent's say no. And they go, I want to do it anyway. I want to go and play. And that's the place you want to be in, right? As a filmmaker, it's uh, it's great. What did you learn from... Working with your crew then, that you would take forward to the next film. What was something that maybe something went wrong, that you maybe didn't do right, that you can give advice on? Hmm, that's a
4: great question. I, You know what, I mean, fundamentally the whole experience is anyway, again, in your shift of dynamic from producer to, to director, mm-hmm. that in itself, you're, you're, you have to feel... That, that everything is new in every relationship with all the position that you have on set. I was very lucky most things went well. Most things went really well because I, you know, I'm a communicator and I just tend to, um, we had moments and then um, I set my expectations clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one thing which uh, since the short people who have worked with me know something is that I know exactly what I want. and and then making that very clear to all of them yeah the importance of that became very very clear when things went went slightly different from what i wanted that i would not lose my mind and start screaming at people because i didn't Mm -hmm. um i instead i would be like okay listen you know and i I could i knew the script by heart obviously Mm -hmm. and then i was like okay here this is what i'm describing here we gotta fix this because I need this to do this and this and I could be and and it's it's interesting that the biggest learning curve is to be able to switch in a matter of minutes from okay performance uh, art to about like like you're 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 talking to five different dep- departments yeah. in a matter of minutes with yeah. a clear clear instructions to every single one of them
0: mm-hmm.
4: and you are not allowed to hesitate. You're no. making a decision here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's one thing which uh, which I'm not happy with, which is one piece of wardrobe on one actor mm. that the actor is not none of it, it was anyway peripheral, but it was just one thing which I cared about that I had written, and I at the end of the movie I regretted not standing for what I said about yeah. that piece of clothes. Yes, yes,
1: yes, and, I and that right. was like
4: yes. I, I kind of like I was quite trivial about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean, it's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but at the end I'm like, you know what? I missed it in every shot, right? And yeah. it annoys me, and it annoys me, and it annoys me that that something like that, which I had specifically written in the script, was was uh, I I kind of let go of you. You have to let go of some things, of course. But that one yeah. thing was like,
1: ah, uh, I wish I'd yeah actually just said, no, guys, I, that's what I need. That's what's in there. Can you I get that for me? Yeah, that's what I wanted. If it's not here, please, we'll wait. But it is that at the time like you say as a director you have to make that decision and as long as people are coming up and going look we lost this but we've got this red top or we've got this pinky top which one do you want at least you've got options the worst thing is when crew members come up and go there's a re- there's been a problem uh, and you go what, what do you want me to do about it I'm about to do another scene you know you have to come as a producer or as a crew member to the director with solutions and I do ask that of my crew go with solutions don't go with Absolutely. problems but let's talk about selling the movie because this is also a huge bit Um, people can go out there now with their iphones and make a movie and you can edit it on movie magic but getting it out into the world is one of the hardest things getting the money and getting out into the world the two hardest things in filmmaking i think there's so many things that are hard but they're the ones that matter if you like when Sound of Violence was now in post did you already have an idea of what you were going to do with this film because the film has done really well you know there's no question about it, it has been talked about reviews have been brilliant across the board Um, there's always some dickhead um, and <laughs> it did brilliantly at Frightfest when I met you in person for the first time which was a delight and likewise yeah <laughs> how w- did you have a strategy I suppose with a film like this from the off did you know who you were going to had you thought about it
4: first of all finding a sales agent is important we opted to do something which is not always popular but we took a sales agent for including our north american rights somebody who just like worldwide Mm -hmm. and that was because we were not in a position to go and put it ourselves, um selling it ourselves locally when we you know it was you know it was important to find the, the right partners on that we knew that this was a film that needed to be taken on board by people who really fucking loved it. Sorry, I don't know if I'm swearing too much now. <laughs> you can fucking but, swear as
1: much as you fucking want.
0: <laughs> all right, well, they,
4: they fucking loved it. <laughs> um, no, and so we needed to find... That was important. I mean, and that's always a tip. I said, getting thinking about just getting a big sales agent it does it might not mean that your movie does better.
0: Mm-hmm, that's it's, true. It's actually... Yeah, yeah. It's actually
4: you need to have a sales agent who's going to go and 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 die for your film. You know, really. I mean, that's exaggerating, but uh, just to they will fight for it. F- yes. Yeah, fight Yes. Yeah, yeah. They will fly the flag for you. They will really. They they will they understand it. And we we it came down to 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 essentially um, three four candidates.
1: At and did end. you send it to them? Did you send screeners? How did you do it to get uh, it to them? Some
4: some we I reached out because the people I knew and others and others reached out to us when we made our anou- cast announcements. They always do. Um, That's when they come yeah. out.
1: They come knocking. <laughs>
4: yeah, they don't want to talk to you when you're when you before you cast, but then when you announce a casting, when we announced Jasmine and Lily, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then it was a process. And then we you know we we also had people who were really interested and in, and and didn't vibe with the film with the final with the end mm-hmm. result, mm-hmm.
0: you know. And
4: and also the tricky thing is obviously we were in the middle of the pandemic, and it was a moment where there was a lot of uncertainty, and my movie was a risk because my movie is not is not it's not is it horror, is it drama, is it both? They don't like that. They want to be able to say okay, this is gonna be a bonkers slasher movie. No, no. It's like this is this is there's a lot of dimensions to this It's moment. a
1: thinking man's thriller horror.
4: Absolutely a woman's I appreciate Sorry, you saying that, but phrase. it means that it's not easy to sell. Because it's not straightforward. It doesn't exactly you can't just you yep. can't just box it. No. Um and you can't. so and, and we had actually You know, people who who were really, 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 really following the project all the way from Cannes 2019, who they they came back and loved the film and have no idea how to sell this. It hurts because you're like, but you love the film. Surely that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. But right now when you're in indie indie horror with, with a market that is who knows what's happening. Mm hmm. You know, so and it really became then a matter of having conversation, and then we we, we opted for VMI because they were like, okay, no, no, we want this. We we're going to VMI you worldwide, know, yeah, yeah. Right. And so you know, the, it was it was down to a rapport, an idea that that they're gonna they're, they're gonna go and and also take the risk that this movie is it, it is a risky movie. I, I mm-hmm. I'm not I was not offended to be told by by some some of the some of the interested big names. Uh, I won't name them here, but but who who really followed this. And there was a there was a, a, a pretty good chance of being represented, but they came to, to us and they were like, "We just don't know what it is." The pandemic made it so hard. Like that movie coming out pre-pandemic, we would have perhaps had more offers,
0: mm-hmm. but it
4: doesn't matter. We were where we were. The pandemic allowed us to take more time to really get it right. Yeah. Um, and and then the people that came on board are the people. They must be the right people because they're the ones who believed in it. Mm-hmm. That is,
0: I agree with and that. That's that's
4: yeah. that's the only that's the only rule. I mean, and then the fact that we we ended up um, again in the, in the way things were because we were trying to push it to come out in 2020, but by the time we had something to show, it was late, it was imperfect, it was not mm-hmm. the, the strategy was not lining up, and the vibe was really good about the film, but it was not ready at all. People were kind of confused as to where it was. As soon as we hit the, what well, the end of 2020, and we had a version with with a little bit more of the synesthesia, the VFX shots, all those mm-hmm. things a little bit more flourished. Then it was like, all of a sudden, things started to snowball. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, now we know what it is. So we signed with VMI. Later on, uh, it was a question of where we was going to premiere. And uh, I had 8-8 uh, premiere at South By. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as an alum, I, I sent it there. That. And Jared, on um, Jared, um, who now actually left at South By, uh, but uh, Jared Neese, who was a big, amazing champion of indie horror, emailed me on the 23rd of December, inviting my film to world premiere at South By. Amazing. I'm How just getting emotional amazing. even speaking about it right now. Did
1: you do the deals as well, like with VMI? Were you doing the paperwork? Because obviously you produce movies in the past, you understand paperwork and distribution and sales. Were you sitting and doing it yourself?
4: Uh, as far as the deals with VMI,
1: yes, deals with VMI.
4: Yeah, the, the, deal, the deal with VMI was, yeah, you know, obviously we had production council and yeah, but I'm the I'm the signatory. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you went through all that deal, and it's hard doing that sort of stuff. Is difficult. It's uh, it scary. just is. You're scary because you think, what am I signing? I'm my science, you know, you hear all these horror stories uh, about distribution and being ripped off and, and all that stuff. And it, it can be frightening. There's a contract in front of you and it's, yay, they want our film, but actually what is it that they're giving you back? What What is it? And you have to know this stuff. It's really frightening.
4: This is why you need, good, you, you need a good production counsel, a good lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, Because it's like, and that's not just a, an idea of a, of a lawyer that just the hours they put on the contract and that's mm-hmm. the billable time. It's yeah. the time, the non-billable time, the part where they, the, what uh, actually had an amazing lawyer in the UK uh, called Alexander Carter Silk. And he, and he was like, always telling me some of this is handholding, meaning it's like, I'm here to just steer you in the right direction. That's why we all had like really fun conversation. and And actually, you know, many conversations with my counsel here, the same. It was like we're just like okay, what's your vibe with this? What, how do you feel and everything? It's aside of like the pure legal review of the paperwork. It was also to just to have somebody with who you can have that personal rapport and mm. kind of like and speak about your, your 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 concerns.
1: Yeah, and it's so important. It really is. And you're with Gravitas uh, Ventures in America in the U S. Yeah, in the U S. And they've just taken and myself and Lucinda's film repeat. Uh, you might have noticed Lucinda has gone very quiet. She messages. Yeah got emergency she's got to jump back on set i wish she'd done it on the pod that would have been much more fun <laughs> rather than me saying it but that's what's happened she's still there. her face is still there a picture still there but she's run off but even anyway, myself and lucinda's uh, one of the films we produce called repeat we just did a deal with gravitas and you know i was doing that deal and and then again it was me just ringing up you know emailing going hey You've worked with my friends on this film, Matthew and uh, Tory Butler Hart's film was with them recently, uh, Infinitum, Subject Unknown, and Ian Sharp's film was with them. So I was like, right, well, let's just email them. And they knew about me. And then suddenly it was in, cool, you're now not going in too cold. And I think that's what helps by networking in the indie film industry. And by doing a podcast like this, or by going on Clubhouse, you do meet People who can help you in this industry, or at least you can say, I know them, your, their film was with them. And you can also email anyone in this industry and say, what was that distribution deal like? What did you learn? Um, we'll all help each other. That's what this podcast is about. We're here to help.
4: That's indie filmmaking. I mean, if we don't mm-hmm. help each other while well, being indie filmmakers, it's, yeah. it's very obnoxious. Mm. I mean it's like I love it, that it's, yeah, true. It's, it's it's like it's <laughs> one of those things Is like I don't I don't I have never seen a there's no downside to helping other filmmakers it's a competitive business but I don't believe there, that anybody's taking anybody's seat unless it's literally you know somebody being picked for the same project or with somebody else that's a mm-hmm. different story yeah. uh, helping another movie happen doesn't take anything away from your film
1: no no you know what I mean? it
4: doesn't it's like, it's like films don't split a, a pie per se no. there's there's thousands of titles that come out a year, mm-hmm. you know, worldwide, and we are already in the, in a very sort of privileged part of the market by re- releasing English-speaking movies, that's mm-hmm. that's a fact. On the indie level, we just, we, y- you have to help each other because, first of all, it's a great way to network.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. And two, when you need help,
0: yeah.
4: if you're the one who put negative energy into the world, expected to come back a
1: hundred percent alex it's so true you what we just won't we just even though my son we probably would but actually if they keep being and then suddenly it's like oh well can you help me on this we go oh, do you know what i've got a lot of the people i could help before you let me help them first and you know it's true can't be negative world,
4: everybody knows the story if you're a um, dick everybody yeah. knows you're a dick
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it gets around very quick even on clubhouse we're all talking about it in the whatsapp groups afterwards we're all talking about it if you're a dick mate you get pushed out it's very simple don't be a dick in this industry don't think you're too big for your boots after one film or whatever it is it's a it's long reputation career. if
4: you it's it's hard to shake off a reputation you know when when you when you have so much talent out there and i'm talking about like in it's not just casting it's not just the, the directors or Producers, it's also in heads of departments everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Being seen as problematic or, 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 or trouble to work with, it's a hard reputation to shake off. Yeah. Really, and yes. and you know, obviously, we, we some of them are wrong. Some of them are, are, are the reputation that comes out is is wrong. And I've I've seen this. I've seen people just saying, I don't know, just we didn't get along on that on that shoot, and now people, you know, I've yeah. heard that. But there there are some certain things when you hear it from several people, it starts to, to 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 stick. And so it's just being kind to people and being you know trying to help when you can. Everybody mm-hmm. understands you can't always help, and you can't always you know it, it, some some help demands more uh, than others but when you can
1: why not why not exactly you know? um, it's so so important to do it it's a really small industry support and help as much as you can it will come back to you Sound of Violence is a real testament to how indie films should be made it's such a cool movie you stuck by what you wanted And you made a cracking film, which is only going to stand you in good stead for the next one. Um, And I know you're collaborating with some amazing people for the next one. So good luck. Final bit of advice you've given so much for any filmmaker coming up now. What's the most important thing that you think you could give? Again, don't be a dick. We've said quite a bit, but anything else?
4: Don't only do what people expect of you. And I know it's sometimes Mm. tough. Like once in a while, you're like, my movie should be this, or I should do that. Oh, I should, you know, I should align into the time. By the time you start making your film, to the moment you deliver it, things have changed four times all, or around. So you don't know what the trend is necessarily going to be. If stick by your story, if you believe in your story and it's really burning inside of you, stick by it. Because the worst thing you can do is just comply and align. If you're if you have a belief about this, the the type of story you want to tell, it might take a little longer to get it off the ground, and you might get a lot of no's. We're in an industry of rejection; it's mm-hmm. normal. But then, when somebody's gonna believe in it, and you're gonna get to do that thing, that that idea that's been burning the back of your head, this is when you're gonna be the best filmmakers you can be. Or at least, you know, try to be. And it's important to know that commercial considerations are important to keep
0: Mm -hmm. in mind. Mm -hmm.
4: But if if they, Take over your creative process, your uniqueness as a, as a filmmaker uh, is, is what what uh, suffers. And uh, it's, it's better to make absolutely the best vision you had and, and, and get criticized for it than, than to, to make something that people are gonna forget because it's just trying to please too many people. You're putting yourself out there. If you want a career in it, you, people need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you're just releasing palette cleansers movies, <laughs> who, who are you, you know? It's yeah. like, it's, it, it needs to be, you need to watch, you know, like when I watched The Dare,
0: mm.
4: okay, that's, that's an attention-grabbing movie. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, but the point is, like, it's, it's you know, when you release something like that, it's, it's an experiment anyway. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, will, I will just add one more thing. In horror, we have actually a luck that we get to be mad scientists. We are in the most experimental genre because nobody expects us to win nobody expects us to win awards to be seen at the oscars or to in, in all those things yeah. but but so we get to be math scientists and what we do is the experimentation that serves move to cinema as a, as a whole and therefore go for it be as experimental as you want
1: sound of violence is out now uh, go support alex but just generally support indie films and this is one of them and you should be supporting uh do go watch it it's Fucking ace. Alex, uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. You're an exciting filmmaker. I've loved meeting you. I think you've been a real exciting voice uh, that's come through the clubhouse scene, that's come, come through the indie filmmaking scene. Uh, and I'm delighted that I know you. And I think, you know, we're all growing up together in this little indie filmmaking world. Likewise, my friend. It's Likewise. Great it's fucking great where can people follow you where can they find you on the socials and bombard you with questions of filmmaking and love for your film sound of violence and
4: please do yeah absolutely please don't hesitate to reach out I love to have conversations about even even if you hated my film it's, yeah. it's okay we, can, it's we okay. can talk about it let's talk about I, it <laughs> maybe uh, not for long uh, <laughs> so I'm very simply at Alex Neuer so my name but just all together across socials. so essentially Twitter uh, Instagram yeah uh, you can find me on Clubhouse every Monday at 3pm Pacific for from short to feature and then I Mm -hmm. also joined the Horror Room Thursdays at 3.55 Pacific and yeah, midnight in the UK. Midnight UK, UK. yeah. And and, uh, other than that, the UK is getting one more chance to see the movie on the Ah, big screen. When? So we are going to play at the Dead of Night Festival Mm -hmm. in Liverpool. Yeah on sunday 3rd of october
1: there you go so anyone near liverpool or want to go up october the third i'll put links to all these things in the show notes thank you so much for listening thank you so much for taking your time uh to listen to the filmmakers podcast if you do like this tell your friends and family not necessarily family they might not be into film tell people who are into filmmaking uh because that's how we grow and if you really like this go on itunes and give us a five-star review and if you really want to come and join the family go on our patreon uh filmmakers podcast forward slash Patreon, all the other way around you'll find it links in the show notes and come and join us for a little as a cup of tea you get so much bonus material of which alex neuer on this episode there will be bonus materials from his chat on our Patreon coming up very soon. So come and join us, there's loads on there. It's amazing, it's a huge resource. Anyway, I've loved talking to you, Alex. This has been so good. Thank you, my friend. Really enjoyed this. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Jazz, And thank you, Lucinda. Hey, Lucinda's back. Hello.
2: Hi, guys. So so sorry about that. you're always so embarrassing. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Terribly rude of me. Um, but we've just wrapped for the day. And on wrap, wow, everything goes mental. And it's mm. a unit move tonight, so it means all the vehicles are going out the makeup trucks, the laundry trucks, the three ways, the catering trucks, everything. Um, and I always like to stay to the end to support my team even though it could be about two in the morning so i'm so sorry alex but thank you so much for joining us it was wonderful to talk to you an absolute pleasure you're a right character and hilarious (laughs) love sound of violence and i really hope to speak to you again soon take care lovely
1: and remember you can go out there and make your indie film you can make it happen and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well just as alex has done it is your duty to send the elevator back down see you next tuesday As always. Bye, Alex. Bye. Bye, Lucinda. Bye now.